Hello everyone and welcome to the Comexis Cast, all the news you need to know from our inbox to yours. Today we're talking about influencer marketing and how it can help the advocacy stage of the buyer's journey. Hello everyone, I'm Matthew McGordy, the videographer and a podcaster here at Comexis. And today I am joined by the lead strategist at Comexis, Philip Brooks. Hello. And CEO and managing partner here at Comexis, Len Ward. Good afternoon. So today we're talking about influencer marketing and how that can help with the advocacy stage of the buyer's journey. And before we get too deep into a nice little story I have here, uh, why don't we get a little explanation of what the advocacy stage is. So Phil and Len, why don't you fill us in? Sure. So the advocacy stage is the final stage in our version of the buyer's journey. And what it is, is converting your clients or your users into advocates for your brand. So they evangelize your brand in places like social media, uh, providing reviews. Uh, basically, not only legitimizing the brand itself, but showing that you know that your customer service model works well, um, and it's again a really big win for you because it's a free version of, of essentially publicity. It's kind of like a recommendation that's done online. Uh, a lot of times you've heard the term screaming fan. That's exactly what it is. So if somebody shares something on Facebook of a product you have, or again, like Philip said, leaves a review on Yelp and so forth. These are people who are in the advocacy stage of a buyer's journey. So when we talk about influencer marketing and when we talk about a lot of these steps uh, in the buyer's journey, they all kind of tend to tie together as because they're a journey, sure. but also they ideally would loop around a little bit. So for example, in the advocacy step, if somebody is leaving a posit hopefully a positive review of your brand, then somebody who is in the consideration phase will hopefully see that review and then that will help them bring them to purchase and then retention and then advocacy, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, so the one little thing that I want to get into, we talked, I talked rather on the blog a little bit about how consumer trust is really important in general, but in particular, there's ways that you can build and sustain consumer trust in your brand through influencer advertising. So I'll have a link to that blog post in the podcast description. But the story we talked about there, or one of them, was an e-marketer report about consumer trust and how costly it can be when you lose consumer trust. In particular, um, the e-marketer article was talking about how brands who have data breaches or they're selling data and users don't know about it, um, can decrease trust and, and things like that. Um, while not entirely all related in the sense of there's a lot of brands that aren't selling data and, and things mm -hmm. like that, but data breaches can occur, other bad PR scenarios can occur. Um, so one of the things that is in this article, it says that consumers across all levels of trust, they rated them on low, moderate, and high, were increasing spending in the last 12 months, but low trust consumers decreased spending by large margins. So. 43% of low trust consumers uh, increased spending while 15% decreased. On the other hand, uh, the high trust consumers increased 57% uh, while they only spent, four, only 4% 4 of them spent less. So basically, a high trust consumer who really trusted the brand in particular, even though there was a data breach, was still willing to spend more, and some of them were only likely to stop spending by a little bit. Whereas on the low trust consumers, about 15 percent of them just dropped completely or stopped spending or mm -hmm. spent less. Um, so the reason I bring that up is when we talk about influencer marketing, and as I mentioned a lot of the times throughout this week, is that consumer trust is really important with that. And that's kind of the whole point of the advocacy stage is showing other consumers, hey, I really trust this brand. You guys should too. Um, so can you guys just comment on that 
very slightly before we get into the more influencer marketing angle. Well, I think it's you know, it seems stands to reason and it makes sense. Uh, the thing that I find particularly fascinating mm -hmm. is that you've got these people who are fully entrenched or already invested in a brand. Let's say, let's say Apple is a perfect mm -hmm. example because you've got these people that are absolutely obsessed with Apple and they will buy every new product. You know, I don't think that if they were to suffer a data breach, they would lose those hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the people in the middle or who are on the lower end of the spectrum that they're likely to you know, have slough off. But I think that you know that that's kind of something I hadn't considered, but mm -hmm. it, it but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so when we talk about influencer marketing, obviously advocates uh, who you are paying as influencers, um, they are advocating for your brand, though it is paid. Uh, so that doesn't entirely fit into the step <coughs> in the sense that you're paying them. But the one thing that's really important to keep in mind is that influencers, by advocating for your brand, can then get more people to come and advocate for your brand, either because they've heard about your brand somewhere, or they've actually experienced the product. I can't tell you the amount of times I've read something and then and told my friend or a coworker or something, hey, I read about this and it seemed pretty interesting, even though I hadn't mm -hmm. bought it. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind as well. Uh, can you guys talk a little bit about you know the ways that influencer marketing can help with advocacy? Uh, well, I, I think there's an interesting Venn diagram if you look mm -hmm. at um, when you say you've got the the advocacy stage and the actual stage where people are doing research and mm -hmm. they're doing the consideration stage because influencer marketing kind of straddles both of those two yeah. things because um, you know I think people at least are getting savvy enough to understand that an influ that a paid influencer is somebody that's being compensated for their time and their opinions, but you know they do understand that the, the, this product still is out there and it still exists, but they understand that this is a, an opinion by a paid person. So mm -hmm. it's more, it goes further towards the consideration stage. So it takes something that we consider advocacy stage in general, but it puts it firmly in this other spot because, again, it's a paid product model as opposed to an organic model. Yeah, you think you hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> um, so finally, uh, just one of the things I wanted to mention, you know, as I've mentioned throughout the week in my blog post in the other Comexicast episodes, is how important of a factor trust is, uh, trust and authenticity in particular when we're talking about influencer marketing. Um, obviously, you know, we've mentioned if somebody's advocating for your brand and they're not paid, that is like the ultimate yeah. authenticity, <coughs> the ultimate trust right. um, that somebody's giving you. But at the end of the day, influencers could also be used to sort of, I don't want to say mediate uh, bad PR or, or bad things that are happening because, of course, you would hopefully have your own public relations doing that. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you are building that trust with that brand uh, and you're building trust with an influencer, um, they certainly can help you in the sense of increasing that That's trust. A, you ahead. made a really salient point there because you talked Thanks, about... Thanks, <laughs> Because you're talking about smaller brands for which influencer marketing becomes such a huge factor yes. because that can really take them from a small company to a large company yeah. because that audience if they can piggyback on it even if it's a paid audience if you can get your product to the right in front of the right right people by using proper influencers to fit your demog demographic and your audience you can really grow. Uh, you know, it, it can really make a huge influx of, of popularity, and that can really jump you from here to here. And then, if you can use traditional methodologies to sustain that growth, you know, it's, it, it can be a great springboard. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. It, it reminds me of. But I said yours was a great point. Well, Don't come back on I'm mine. Glad you guys are doing point because yeah, I added nothing. To <laughs> that, so. <laughs> so, one final note I want to mention, actually, because while I was listening to you, I was just thinking about this. Is you know when we talk about uh, when we've been talking about in this episode about um, bad PR moves or, or things like that, 
to some extent, we could even talk about you know, defective products or services that did not completely satisfy for some reason. Um, and we talk a lot about how, before, how when you get a bad review, when you're getting customer feedback that is not necessarily positive, it is important to make sure that you are properly responding to mm -hmm. that. And one of the things that I was just thinking about while Philip was talking was how if you have an influencer uh, who you're paying um, and you're not, com perhaps you're allowing them a little bit more uh, creative freedom, um, perhaps they will be able to give tips based on their own feedback. But also importantly, they can give their their audience can also give if they decide to purchase this product their own feedback, and then you have a series of people saying, "Hey, this is something we want to see." Because um, at the end of the day, unless a negative review is like hyper negative, like they had a really bad time, I I've seen tons of products where oh you know this could be improved, and it was it kind of sucked that it wasn't great, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day. A criticism of how you can improve, I personally think, is always somewhat useful as long as you know you're willing to to listen to it's, it. And to to add something, I'll add <laughs> something. If you don't have a negative review, or if there's nothing negative said about you, then I mean, and everything is 100% positive, positive, positive you know that's fake. Mm -hmm. So it's it's getting a negative review is okay. Having somebody not like your product is okay. The critical thing in advertising and marketing is how do you respond to that? That's Absolutely. everything. So it's, uh, that's just something to keep in mind and you know, we've had how many clients come in and say, this person's saying this about me or I got a negative review and it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. It's what you say or how you respond it's, or how you make a, good on it. It's an opportunity to, to enforce your company's culture and explain mm -hmm. exactly who you are and how you would handle this. And I think that that shows a lot of maturity in the growth of a company as well, especially if you're a, a small shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank everybody for tuning in to today's episode of the Comexus Cast. Thank you, Phil and Len, for joining me adjacent to the table today. If you guys would like to listen to more of us, you can check us out on the Apple iTunes Podcast Store, on the Google Play Music Store, and the Google Podcast app, as well as TuneIn and Stitcher. And you can watch us in full on YouTube and get nice little social snippets in your social feeds by following us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and IGTV. Thank you very much, and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.